Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome to the Woodworking Podcast. Today, we're joined with myself, Nick Ferry, and April Wilkerson from Wilkerdoos.com, along with Jay Bates from JaysCustomCreations.com. Should we clap? I feel like this is a clapping moment. <laughs> you know, Slow clap. Slow. All right, well... <laughs> That was uh, <laughs> that was totally messing around, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. I like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but everybody, welcome back. Uh, we appreciate you listening. A uh, couple uh, contributors I want to announce. Uh, let's see here. I got to get over to the right screen. Correct. Uh, Brian Brian Wildman, thank you so much. And Ty Moser, thank you as well. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I don't. I'm, this is such a relaxed hangout. This is so cool. Um, should we just go into the breaking news thing? Yeah, but you said relaxed hangout. I was actually thinking to myself. Uh, I guess it was just one of those moments to where I wasn't really thinking it through clearly. But I was thinking, man, it'd be cool if if we could get together and build. Uh, I want like a like a keepsake box, or you know, like a. I think they're called keepsake box or a treasure box, or you know, what I'm talking about a really nice. And I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe Nick and Jay will want to do it together. I'm like, wait a minute. We're back at opposite ends of the of the world right now. Well, we could still do yeah. a collaboration like that. Like some person starts the part phase one or whatever, and you pass it along to the next person, and they put their personal touch, and then the last person finishes it. We could do that. Yeah, I don't know. I just miss hanging out with you guys already, I think, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had a couple of those moments to where I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. We should do this more often. I'm like, oh, that's right. They're on opposite ends of the country. I yeah, forgot. can't really yeah. do it. <laughs> But you know we'll have to we'll have to go see Texas, the big state of Texas. Yep. But uh, yeah, no. I the, the reason I said relaxed hangout is because um, obviously the listeners can't tell, but I'm kind of like literally relaxed in my chair because a buddy of mine brought me a bunch of free wood, and it's all oak, and most of it measures like four inch by four inch, and the shortest piece is seven foot long, and I have about fifteen of them. Nice. Whoa. That is a nice buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I had buddies like that. So, uh, on on which of your lumber racks did you store this wood? Uh, this one is on the <laughs> F rack, the F L O O R rack. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was well. It was crazy because I I knew a couple of years ago, like right when I started Instagram, um, he had brought a truckload of cut up pieces of similar material. And we got talking about what he does for a living, and he works in like one of the shipping or receiving, it must be receiving departments at a manufacturing plant. And his sole job is to cut up pallets and throw them away. Wow. So when we were uh, talking a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, if if you forget to cut up a couple, bring them over to my house and uh, we'll, we'll make something out of it. And he was, he was thinking he wants his daughter's just going into college now. And he wants to uh, have me make like an end table for her dorm. So I said, yeah, not a problem. Well, there you go. And it's a flexible enough timeline, too, because he goes, well, she goes, you know, in September. But I said, I don't, man, I don't know if I could get another end table out by September. And he goes, don't worry, she's going to be there for four years. So sometimes, (laughs) sometime before graduation. Sometime between now and then. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a pretty good timeline. Yeah, that's great deadline. Four years. So that's literally sitting in front of my my newer outfeed assembly table that a couple nice individuals made me. I wonder who they were. 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking Wonderful. about that. I need I need to design mine. I've been really anxious now to get to get to that project. To get to it, that's the thing. How's your uh, fence going coming along? I've seen some pictures on Instagram. It is a huge, huge job. Like I knew it was going to be a big job, and I it I get like excited by just how massive the job is. But it's even more big than what I was anticipating because there's just little things here and there that need to take place. And like at first, I was telling my husband and his, even his brother was like, "Hey, I'm going to come over this weekend. I can help y'all throw up the fence." And I'm like, "No." no, no, this is my project. I don't want y'all involved. And they were like, Cody was kind of looking at me like, you're going to need my help at least at some points. And I'm like, no, no, I got this. But like the pipe that we ordered, because I have to extend each one of the steel posts up. And I mean, the pipe by themselves, I think they're 150 pounds per per joint. And so like they have to pick it up and put it onto the stand for me. And like I have three trees that need to be cut down because they were growing into the concrete footer that runs the parameter of the fence. And so I conceded a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, while I'm cutting up all these joints, y'all go and cut down the trees. And so I'm, I, I am accepting a little bit of help because it's just such a massive project. But at the end of the day, I'm still like, okay, I got this by myself. So y'all go away now. Yeah. But it's going, it's going really good. We were talking yesterday and I said, well, fences are one of my least favorite because it's repetitive. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're enthusiastic for the first five, six, maybe even 10. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh, 70 more to go. Oh, not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. I guess because it's such, such a big project and I like the kind of challenge of it. And I also like my neighbors drive by and they stop in and being like, what are you up to now? And they would all just think that I'm just like this crazy girl. And they think Cody's even crazier for letting me do it. And I'm out there in like my full-fledged welding gear and Cody's, oh, that's right. Cause we had to run a generator to run the welder off because I tried to hook it up to an extension cord and it blew a breaker just immediately. Right. And even though the extension cord was a 10, three, uh, so I, I, thought it would be okay. No. So we're running a, a generator, but that means you have the welder, the tank, and the generator to move along to each pipe. And so Cody was in charge of helping me move it along while I was welding. Anyway, so yeah, it's a big project. It's fun. And I'm still, I haven't lost my enjoyment of the of the process yet, but I still have a lot of work to do. And on top of that, the AC went out in the house. So I've actually had to stop today and yesterday in order to deal with that issue. Because of course, oh. outside in Texas heat, you can't go even a few days without AC. <laughs> Yeah, no AC is crazy. Ours is, I think ours is on the brink of going out. It's starting, or it's losing some of the uh, Freon or whatever. It's starting to not keep up as nice as it once did, and I'm starting to notice it. But the fence project, what's cool about it, though, is there's multiple different phases of your particular build. It's not like all 100%, you know, woodworking on a very generic, simple, like, three-board fence design, you know? So... Mm -hmm. I, I can see where it would be very interesting because there's so much little stuff going on. Well, and new stuff, like uh, I, I've had to buy three new tools in order to, to do the job. One is the uh, the porter band in order to cut the steel just a lot quicker than a, like, let's say a Sawzall. So I got a porter band that has a uh, stationary bench that turns it into a stationary tool. That thing is amazing. And then I bought a uh, a, a nail gun like a siding fencing nailer and then also a chainsaw because the way that the previous owner attached the panels onto the steel post, he like welded together his own brackets and then used carriage bolts. And so each bracket has uh, three or I guess six, if you include both sides, carriage bolts. 
And then you have three on each side. So six total with six carriage bolts. And, and, and there's no way to get the entire eight-foot panel off of the bracket in one piece without just struggling with it for 15 minutes. And so instead, I just grabbed a chainsaw, and I'm cutting the panels at the post, and that way I only have a small joint of wood to push off the end of those six carriage bolts. Anyway, so okay. I've got to use a whole new slew of tools, and it's just, yeah, I still haven't lost my excitement over the project yet. That's awesome. How, yeah. how many posts totaled in, like, are there? There's 38 posts. And it's 290 linear feet. I, I originally told Jay I thought it was 170, but it's actually 290. So it's quite a bit of fence. Wow. wow. Yeah. But I've already welded on all of the extensions and I'm getting ready. And I already have the, all the pickets and material here. So it's real interesting ordering the material because I bought it from a local supplier. And it was actually cheaper to go through a local fencing supplier than it was to go through either one of the big box stores. And they also gave me the option to get the material pre-stained. And it was cheaper. It was, it was going to be with the material and the stain separately, the stain alone was going to be $500 to cover all the pickets. I could buy the material and it only add $400 to the additional cost. So I was saving a hundred by getting it pre-stained. And I'm like, plus your yeah. Labor. yeah, exactly. So I'm saving a hundred bucks plus probably an entire day, if not two, if you include more than one coat of, of labor saved. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. With staining that much material, the only way to make it go by quick is to use some type of sprayer. And if you're using a sprayer on that much material, you're you're end up wasting so much of it. I was actually going to do child slavery route and get my nieces and nephews over here and pay them <laughs> an ice cream. So this like saved. It was like a win-win. <laughs> well, paying an ice cream is pretty enticing. Oh yeah. man, that's so funny. Well, you're busy with your fence. It seems like Jay's been bouncing around, traveling like crazy. He's yeah, got his toes I've... in the sand. I went on a little vacation last week. My wife, uh, she works a full-time job, has a career of her own, and does her army thing once a month. And uh, she said she wanted to go on vacation like three or four months ago. And uh, whatever, if you want to uh, plan it all out and pick where you want to go, then we'll do it. So she decided to go to Destin, Florida. Uh, Well, Fort Walton Beach. It's right next to Destin. Uh, but anyway, so we went to we went and did that, and uh, it was a nice, inexpensive, relaxing break to kind of get away from everything. Um, I was telling April before we started recording that there's no such thing as like 100% getting away because I still check emails every day and, and make sure that there's nothing that's just absolutely urgent uh, that I, that I need to take care of but it was, it was really nice relaxing something that i normally wouldn't have chosen so it was a good change of pace but that combined with the wisconsin trip combined with the michigan trip a couple weeks before that and we've been traveling around mississippi visiting family a couple hours north of here a couple hours south of here in jackson for some stuff and over the past like eight weeks i think i've traveled over five thousand miles in my truck which I'm normally used to maybe 20 per week, so I'm tired of the truck. And I've also got uh, September, I've also got to drive to Cincinnati for woodworking in America, and then I'm leaving there to drive to Michigan for my sister's wedding, and of course then I have to drive back. So travel, 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 and it just it just really kills momentum as far as what I'm doing in the shop, because I, literally I have not done anything in my shop for three weeks now. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's a wreck in there. I've got to get everything put 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 away and get back in there. So hopefully, my objective is 
later tonight after I get done editing this podcast to get out in the shop and just get it spotless and ready to get it to a stage where it's inviting for me to just jump out there and do something. Before you before you clean it though, I was going to bring this up later in the podcast. I was last night I was kind of sweeping up my shop just a little bit and um when when, when you guys were here, I think you were, you know, uh, shocked. I don't know if it may be too strong of a word, but you know, it's not as organized on the surface. There's I I I have a lot of tools out and about. So I was thinking we should all take pictures of our shops just as they are idle, however they are in the middle of a, a project or whatever. And uh, I don't know, like hashtag something, uh, like natural habitat something. I don't I I don't know. As what, is shop. Shop yeah, as like is. The woodwork, or TWP for the woodworking podcast. What what did you say? Shop. shop. TWP shop. Don't make yeah. it complicated. Don't make it complicated. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag so, TWP yeah. shop and then put it on Twitter or Instagram or, or does Facebook do hashtags now? I don't know. You guys can know. try it. Post post it and try it. And then, I mean, heck, you can even tag, you know, me in it or, or I don't know if you guys mind being tagged, but I would love to see it because I'm convinced there are more um, shops in disarray than there are shops that are completely spectacularly clean. I agree. I agree as well. As much as I like to keep my shop spotless and clean, it uh, doesn't just it's it's not that way as as much as it is dirty. Which hey, a dirty shop is a working shop. Definitely. I mean, and that's the way it is. If I'm actively working on a project, then my shop is is kind of messy and disorganized. But I just I take the time to organize after I get done with the project, or if I'm too white from the project, then right before I start another is when I when I take that. But I could see how if somebody, especially like working in production or has extremely limited time in the shop, how they would bypass that step just to get in more shop time on actually working on a project. So I don't I don't yeah. I don't judge or criticize anybody with a dirty or messy unorganized shop. I just I, I get so much more done if my personal space is cleaned and a little bit more organized. But Absolutely. But yeah, I love looking at other people's shops, even if it's just like a small like corner or section. I can just sit there and like analyze everything and where it's at and what they have. So I would love I'm all I'm all on board with the hashtag guys. What was it? TWP shop? Yeah, TWP shop. So take a picture of your shop kind of in its natural state. Don't pick up, clean up, whatever. Um, yeah, and post it to Instagram and tag it. Tag it. Use that hashtag so that we could sort through and see uh, see everybody's shops. Yeah, and uh, maybe we can even put some on the website once next time around or something. And people can get a good idea of because mine's gonna mine's gonna actually look pretty decent. I mean, you guys have been here, but it's gonna look pretty decent because I thought of this after I swept, but I really didn't put a whole lot away so. after you swept. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately thought of it as I was sweeping, and I'm like, oh, well, you does, know. Does that broom miss me any? It does. It does. It's like, where's, where's Jay? Jay? <laughs> <laughs> he used to take me out every day. Multiple times a day. Multiple. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand walking all over sawdust. I got to sweep that stuff up. I, I just, I don't, and I just hate any type of slipperiness underneath my shoes when I'm trying to work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't find my my concrete floor to be slippery with sawdust, but in in yours, Nick, I slip multiple times by that lathe area. I guess because you have mm-hmm. that that painting or that coating on your floor. Yeah. I love the way that it looks, but yeah, definitely in yours, I would find myself sweeping way more often than what I do in mine currently. 
and I, uh, there are a little bit like, I think it's like a silica sand to add grip to this. It's a polyurea coating, but, uh, I opted not to add a ton of that sand for more traction because that attracts dirt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I typically have pretty decent grippy shoes and I'm, I'm pretty used to it. It's, it's been coated for, I want to say five years now, so. Yeah, that's all what but, you're used to. But there is a trade-off, mm -hmm. though, because it makes cleaning up so much easier. So much, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think it looks amazing. Like, I think it looks nice, especially the color that you went with. But yeah. um, I have paint and stain all over my shop floor, so I think I would be a little bit more reserved on just spray painting something out in, in the open of my shop if I had a nice-looking floor like yours. So. Well, I, yeah, spray painting, sure, I can see that, but like stain, I've spilled stain and stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't soak in, mm -hmm. so um, I'll, I'll take a picture and put it in the uh, website article um, of my shop floor, because yeah, I, it, I, I really do dig it. it um, when, I, when I moved in, I insulated the uh, two walls that were not insulated and sheetrocked those, and uh, trimmed out the window with you know maple trim, made the trim, trimmed it out, stained it to match the service door. Um, and my wife's like, wow, that's kind of a lot of work. I'm like, I'm out here a lot. And I'm one of those firm believers of it's kind of like your sanctuary. I didn't want bare stud bays or bare insulation showing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm out here so much, I want it to look a certain way just so that my overall juju or aura is happy that I'm out here. So Happy Definitely. juju. Yeah. Happy juju. <laughs> I get yeah, you. That's you that's keep... that's why I've got Red Wings door pulls. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like happy juju. We should make that a hashtag of something. Hashtag juju. I don't know. How do you spell it? J U J U. Don't ask me. No, sure. I don't even know. I don't even know where I got that. That's one. That's one of my my wife says Nickisms that she's never heard before. But I I think I've heard it before. But it's just. And, you know, bad situation or bad karma, bad aura, it's just got bad juju. Yeah, we say it in Texas, bad juju. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, what, what are you up to besides sweeping your shop floor? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've been bouncing around from project to project uh, from my hardware organizer, which I've gotten quite a few emails on finishing that. And um, I'm working on a dovetail jig video that uh, you guys were here when I borrowed the, the dovetail jig from Bob and uh, actually got to go bring it back there today. Oh, I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Bob. Yeah, he's a cool dude. And uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I haven't really been ever working on more than like one project for YouTube at a time. Mm -hmm. Back before I, you know, ever filmed anything, I'd have two or three going. But this is 10 times harder because... I got to try and organize and keep the files separate and um, I'm yeah, hoping to get that dovetail video and also the uh, uh, raise panel. I'm working on a video for raise panels, uh, different methodology for like coping stick and tongue and dado and all that stuff. And so that's kind of what I've been focusing on. While I was, uh, while I had my toes in the sand, I had a, a notification. You published something about the, what was on the lathe? The, it starts with a G. I'm going blank. Oh, the garrot? Garrot? Is that what you call it? I call it a well, garret, but everybody's been correcting Nick and I on it, on the proper pronunciation of it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I and I said garret in my video too. I've since corrected 
uh, my pronunciation. But the funny thing is, I first heard about that when I was like 10 years old watching a, a show on the U.S. prison system. <laughs> and a guy made a wire device that, you know, killed a guy. And he called it a Garrett. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's used one to kill somebody. So, I mean, he must know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I think uh, the first time I saw one was on The Godfather. They, I think that, isn't that the way they killed that big guy? It's been so long since I've seen the movies. But they killed I one have- of the bodyguards that I loved with, the, with one of them. I have never seen The Godfather. Oh, Jay. Oh, man. Take the cannoli. <laughs> Look for the oranges. Um, yeah, you should You should definitely, uh, especially the first and the second. They're, they're great movies, Jay. That and The Boondock Saints, you've never seen either, huh? No, I'm not a big movie connoisseur. Hmm. Well, going, going back to that video, I was working on an ambrosia maple platter to where I wanted to burn rings in that. So I came up, I came up with like a unique tool. But this is such, such a cool part about the YouTube and especially the comment section. I came up with that tool because that's just how I thought of it in my head to come up with it. About five or six people recommended using uh, Formica samples that you get, you know, just a home center. And just using that in the groove. And I've never heard or seen anyone do that, but I'm totally, next time I'm there, grabbing some Formica and just coming home and trying it. That's cool. I didn't know that you came up with that tool, but it looked beautiful, especially on that Ambrosia platter. I love that platter. Yeah, it was, I don't, you know, it's one of those things. And then, yeah, you made, you used a a, a garrot Garrot? uh, in in your video when you were making a salt shaker, right? Yep. Yeah, I was uh, just little accents here and there. And I was, I was making five or six of them, so... It's really funny, though, because as I was making one, I would make one at a time, and they all kind of came out the same to where they would have two stripes at the bottom and one near the top somewhere. So I was looking at them afterwards being like, huh, I guess I need to change up my design. (laughs) (laughs) But I was having fun making them. That is cool. Well, I think you had an original point, Jay. Did we interrupt and go off on the Godfather rant? (laughs) Uh, No. Oh, okay. Well, you were bringing up the garrote. Yeah, I was just bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a useful little tool. Uh, but yeah, I saw you make one in your shop, Nick. So I, I ended up making one for mine. I'm hanging them on my throwing knives. So now I have like my zone in, in my shop with all the deadly tools. <laughs> or the all the weapons. deadly. Yeah, all the murder <laughs> weapons, if you want to say. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Do you have like a scratch all or anything on there? <laughs> no, I need to. I was just joking oh. about hanging them on my throwing knives. <laughs> well, you <laughs> should. I <laughs> That way, when people come over, they, they'd be like, oh, my, don't mess with her. Yeah, I'll be warned. <laughs> yeah. Or you could find a way to incorporate, like, throwing knives or throwing stars into woodworking rather than pink- making woodworking tools into deadly tools. Mm-hmm. I need to actually make, a, uh, like, a throwing knife backboard or target because I'm still using my bathroom door and i'm just tearing it up so instead of having to replace it sooner or later i just need to end up making an actual target so i'll probably do a video on that cool what about using just a uh a log cookie log cookie what is a log cookie you just slice off a, a thickness of the log oh yeah i could oh or i mean i was just thinking of something a little bit more decorative and cool to look at you know but yeah. that would definitely work. Or even an ingrain cutting board to where it's just a bunch of ingrain glued together. I could do that as well. But what, where's the fun in that, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a video titled Engrain Throwing Knife Target. 
Yeah, I think there is one because there's a girl. Oh, really? Yeah, because there's a, a girl on YouTube that does nothing but throw knives, and she actually made one. Poor girl. Uh, she actually cut, she got a four by four post and ended up cutting these small little two inch sections with a handsaw. And that girl, I got to give her credit because she did the entire post with a, with a handsaw. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, but she, she was, she was wanting to make a uh, target for her throwing knives. And so she did. <laughs> Goes to show you, if you want something done, just do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know what? That's funny that you brought that up, Jay, or, you know, April brought up the topic. And then Jay said, if you want something done, um, I think that's a thing that, that people should, should remember in their shops is to adapt, adapt to what you have. I, I had a comment on my theater cart video the other day, and, the, and it was a really nice comment because he said something to the effect of, here I've been trying to get my shop to work for me versus I should just work in my shop. Love and that. Said, yeah. And, he was talking about how my theater cart, he goes, you're not, you're not around tools. You're not in a shop per se, but you adapted, you made a cart specific to your needs. And I think that's, it's crucial. I mean, a lot of us have been collecting tools for many, many years. And so we use them if we have them, but you can do a lot. You just have to adapt. And, you know, some, some places I've worked, it's, you know, like you said, with your generator, the extension cord didn't work. So you got to go a different route. I've had that with, uh, we didn't have a generator, and then so we had to run a bunch of extension cords, and maybe not, you know, maybe not electrically the safest thing in the world. But you have to kind of, you know, you might not have a, a circular saw on hand, but you have to make a bunch of cuts, mm-hmm. and so you just got to use the jigsaw. I don't know. I think adaptability. Yeah, and it's really hard to. I find myself I, I, uh, phrasing it properly because I always want to tell people um, just. I think that you have to be resourceful to be good at making because you have to have that kind of motivation to push through whatever the roadblock is because there's going to be plenty of them. And so like I had somebody comment on my hair stick video just here recently saying, well, I guess I can't make one because I don't have a miter saw. It's like, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> you mean because I, I cut the end at a 45, you know, and it's like you don't you don't need a miter saw. You don't even need to cut it at a 45. Just anyways, I thought. But how do you stress it to somebody in a polite way saying, well, if you're going to give up on the project just because you don't have a modder saw to make this one cut, then, you know, this might not be the, the line of work you want to get into. Yeah. Uh, and those those type of comments, it's just, look, is your glass half full or is your glass half empty? That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Yeah. Mine's empty. I got to refill it. <laughs> hey, mine's half <laughs> empty too. Get me some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's like a marine type saying or the army i'm pretty sure it's the marines but improvise adapt and overcome and i'm i'm no marine or anything but uh i just i always like that saying because you're you're given certain th- i don't like the old adage of if you're given lemons make lemonade i mean how come nobody gives you limes because i'd rather make margaritas but uh i, I guess i <laughs> <laughs> i digress but yeah you gotta gotta make do with what you got yeah so let's hop into some of these questions we got a we got a ton all right. Yeah, so earlier today I posted on Instagram uh, that we were about to record this episode. And if you had any questions that you want answered, to just throw them out there real quick. Um, we still have the contact form on the website if you want to submit a question or comment directly. Uh, but I think this was um, something that we may do again because there's a ton of questions and such. I don't yeah. know if we'll get to them all, but just to run through some of them really quick. Um, 
All these names, I'm, I can't really see my screen alternate, right now. Alternate Jimmy wants to know, what's one of the one skill that you've developed as a woodworker that's been the most useful or rewarding? Hmm. I, I think uh, kind of what, what we were just talking about, uh, being resourceful and finding a way to overcome whatever the problem is that I just encountered. Because it's been like that from the very get-go. And I found that it's a lot easier now. Now that I know I can use a belt sander to do this, even though it's outside of its normal scope or a, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, instead of using a bandsaw, I can use a jigsaw. Um, being able to be a little bit more resourceful on if I encounter a problem, thinking outside of the traditional use of tools and being able to utilize them in other ways to help me overcome something. I would say for me, and maybe it's more procedural than, than a skill set, but uh, making things square, whether it's a square edge, a square end, um, a square 90 degree joint, because that seems to be the foundation of a lot of woodworking is um, just being able to have a good foundation of square parts. Because once, once you start to assemble them, you know, so I would say it's, it sounds so simple, but sometimes you're limited with your tools, sometimes you're limited with your skill, sometimes a little bit of column A and B, but it's just being able to make fundamental square edges, cuts, joints, stuff like that. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm on the, the same boat as April there. Just uh, being able to work through problems a little bit easier. It's problem solving, I think, is something that is very useful and rewarding after doing this for the past couple of years. Definitely. Full time anyway. Uh, Jeff and Mary Jones asks, I was cutting maple for the first time, getting burning from a sharp blade. Uh, does the feed rate too fast, too slow? What is the best way to clean it up? Generally speaking, the feed rate is probably too slow. Uh, the, the reason that you have burning on certain hardwoods is because you're allowing the, the, the cutting edge to build up heat. Well, if you feed it through faster but in a safe manner, never feed it through fast and not have control over it, then uh, you're less likely to burn. That's funny, Nick. I knew that because of my time spent in your shop. Remember That's I burnt, awesome. Remember I burnt the maple on the belt sander and you explained yep. why? So yeah. That's funny. I like knew the answer before Jay said it, and I was proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then he jumped it. Yeah, and then Jay and stole the, my glory. <laughs> and I know I'm kind of nitpicking his question, but he says with a sharp blade, uh, you can have a sharp, a dirty blade, so make sure that you have a clean uh, resin pitch sap free blade as well, because that just um, it just enables more of that heat buildup to have that tar on there. Yeah, most of the time, like. I've never sharpened any of my blades. I clean them quite frequently, but I've never had to sharpen any of them. Um, it, the vast majority of the time, if I'm not getting desirable results, it's because it's just it's just a dirty blade. FRH makes, uh, he says, I recently lapped a hand plane using the Paul Sellers method. I am now seeing rust develop on the plane. What can I do to prevent the rust issue without causing finishing issues? I live in North Carolina and have no other rust issues on my cast iron tables. Paul Sellers recommends using regular household 3-in-1 oil in a can with a rag. Um, search his website or his YouTube channel for oil can, I think. Um, but basically, you take a small tomato can or something like that, some type of canned goods can, and um, wad up a rag or a towel or something on the inside, fill it with oil. Uh, every couple months, just add a little bit more oil to it, and then use it to 
wipe a thin layer of oil on your tools. And he's been doing it for years and years and years and never had any problems with it producing problems with finishes. I've been using Paul Sellers can method or whoever came up with it originally um, since I guess late in 2015. And that has really, really cut down on the amount of rust on all of my tools, which I had quite a bit of rust problems before then. So that's my recommendation. Regular household three in one oil works great. Uh, the next question, Jay Woodbits, what do you guys each do to prevent general rust on your tools exposed to high humidity or moisture, which is kind of the same thing. I use that T9 bowl shield, but then again, I don't have high humidity like Jay has high humidity. So, but it works well yeah, I, for me. I've used wax and it's, and it's rusted really bad. I've used T9 bow shield and accidentally left the garage door open one night next morning come in there's dew on everything and even with t9 bow shield that produced some rust um that's that's a, an odd situation though that's way more humidity than what people typically that's a see. lot of user error yeah that's a lot of jay you're an idiot and don't do this ever again because it'll cause all kinds of cleanup problems for you i was watering the garden and i sprayed down my table saw yeah lubrication i'm pretty fortunate because in north texas we don't have i guess a lot of humidity i've never had an issue with things rusting unless um i've left my window open with the fan on while it was storming outside and that did create a little bit of rust on my table saw cast iron top and my bandsaw one and then um but that's that's really it so if i close my window I, i don't ever have an issue with it unless something gets spilt on my table saw. Since getting this air conditioner put in, it really draws a lot of the humidity out of the air, and I've worked with the garage door open a lot less. But before the garage or before the air conditioner, and I had the garage door open every time I was out there, uh, rust was a constant problem, even if it wasn't raining, obviously. Um, but, yeah, going back to my original response, three in, regular household 3-in-1 oil has worked the best. And I don't know the guy's YouTube channel, but there's a knife maker on YouTube, on YouTube, and I'll post the link to the video in the article for this podcast. Uh, he did an outside test with several different knife blanks and several different, um, uh, several different items to prevent rust, and the one that outperformed every one of them was 3-in-1 household oil. Hmm. So I'll post the link to that video as well. Another thing, kind of going back to... Um what was it, uh, FRM, FRM makes, um, you might have an issue too with different, uh, uh, metallurgy. I mean, you, you said you lapped a hand plane. If you think about steel as in a, you know, the overall product to an, an ingredients list, stainless steel being steel, but it doesn't rust nearly as much as say a cast iron. So maybe you just, you just have more iron in that hand plane than you do in your table saw top. Cause maybe it's just older so keep that in mind you might have to pay more attention to that hand plane than you do your table saw all right next one uh what are the first tools you had when you started woodworking i personally only had a drill and a circular saw very first starting oh and a jigsaw first starting off and then i built my collection up from there and i thought i thought those were good uh basic starters Uh, my next tool to get was a nail gun uh just a small little 18 gauge and I, I did quite a few projects with just those four tools. I had, uh, it was a, a Christmas gift uh, that really got me into it. My grandparents had given me a handsaw, 
a, a 3 8 keyed chuck corded drill, some drill bits, some driver bits, a screwdriver set, a tape measure, a pencil, and that's about it. And I, you know, I went to town with just that amount of stuff. And again, that goes back to my fundamental to be able to get square cuts. Even with a handsaw, it's, it's, I think it's beneficial. I started, I guess I started three times actually i've had i've had access to a miter saw since high school i guess and then when i got out of my own i bought a mini metal lathe ended up selling it for like 500 bucks and went to lowe's and bought as many skill brand tools as i could so i bought a bunch of them um and that ended up fizzling out because i had to sell everything to fix my truck blah 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 the most recent shop that i have now was started with a 10-inch sliding miter saw. So I had that particular tool and used it to build benches and picnic tables and took the profit from that to build what I have now. So uh, the first one what that I had was just a miter saw, I guess. And that's a, uh, I think we've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but I guess it's worth mentioning again is woodworking as a hobby is one of those unique hobbies to where you can not only uh, grow the hobby uh, on its own, but you can actually make money at it. And when Jay mentioned his miter saw, I mean, I had a, a 10 inch, um, single, you know, it was just a miter saw. It didn't bevel. It wasn't a dual compound. Um, but to get my sliding, uh, miter saw, uh, a buddy wanted a, a deck built in the back of his house. And I said, well, you know, with these wider deck boards cut at 45, I'm going to need a, a new miter saw. And he goes, well, how about I buy you the miter saw? And you build the deck, and that's what we agreed on. And so now I got a really nice, you know, saw that I use all the time. I love that. Uh, next question is from let's see here, uh, Matsumog. I'm sure I'm screwing that up, but oscillating spindle sander or belt disc sander combo most versatile. My vote is for the belt disc sander. I have a belt sander that is portable that I can clamp down to a bench, and I also have a spindle sander. And even though the spindle sander is cool, I would get way more use out of a disc-belt combo. I agree. I have the oscillating spindle sander that I've used once or twice, and I used to have a belt sander mounted on its side as a, a horizontal belt sander station area kind of thing. (laughs) <laughs> and I really enjoyed it, but uh, it was just a hack job. So my, my vote is always for the uh, belt disc combo. I would, yeah, I would say for versatility, uh, the belt disc combo, but I get a crap ton of use out of my spindle sander. So go ahead and hashtag team spindle sander if you're in my camp. <laughs> but, but um, and, and I was actually talking to April when she was here about this, where uh, right now I do have a disc slash belt combo. But that's, in my opinion, temporary because I would rather have a dedicated disc sander and a dedicated larger belt sander. But yeah, I think you're going to get more use out of a belt disc combo than you would a spindle sander. But all right, next up is Bond Pacific. Uh, is am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bond Pacific. Yeah, I think so. For each of you, well, when designing a new piece, what is your process? For me, I start with just trying to find an idea like Google Images or something like that, taking a little bit of this inspiration, a little bit of that, or something that I've already got in my head. Uh, you, can, you can bypass that step. But for me, I always go right to SketchUp. I know it's not for everybody, um, but I really like having it in SketchUp. I can manipulate 
dimensions and proportions very easily and get instant um, instant results on how it looks from all sides and change it as I see fit. It's, for me, much easier, quicker, and more efficient than pencil and paper. I'm the, I'm the same. I, I also go to SketchUp now that I know it. I figure out how big I need something, and then I do the same thing. I go to Google, and I try to look at other things out there to see, okay, what is what are like manufacturers putting like maybe a feature on theirs that maybe I'm not thinking of? And then uh, I take a little bit here and a little bit there, and then I mod podge it together with my own ideas, and it turns into what it is. I am a pencil and paper person, and if if pencil and paper aren't even close enough by, I'm one of those you'll find me in a diner with on a cocktail napkin, uh, jotting stuff down. Uh, mostly because if I come up with an idea that I want to try or do or whatever, I my mind is flooded with what I'm thinking and I just have to quick, quick, quick sketch, 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 sketch. And then, then I can refine it from there. But, um, and I try to take design cues from architecture. I've said that before. Um, just if you see a building that looks cool or even a color scheme that you like or the use of natural stuff. Um, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I jot it down sketch it out and then sometimes I bring it into SketchUp or other times I'll just start building. Yeah. You're a pencil and paper slash plywood kind of guy. Slash plywood. Notes on plywood that you've had. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I uh when Jay and April were here, I think he's referring to like if you go around my shop there's little doodles and sketches on all sorts of surfaces here. Including your laptop. Yeah. Well yeah there's a it's it's a MacBook Air and that's the finish texture lends itself nicely to using a pencil mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> uh, next question, um, uh, yeah, K O R Y T J. For Corey somebody who wants to, Corey T J. Corey T J. Oh man, I I was thinking Japanese. <laughs> Those sound Eddie. good anyway. <laughs> Uh, for somebody that wants to start woodworking and creating, what two machines would you recommend to buy? Not necessarily brands, just the equipment. Example, you know, like table saw, planer, scroll saw. I would say a drill and a circular saw. That's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, let's let's exclude the, he looks more like actual machines, and let's skip the power tools maybe. Or maybe do both. What are the two power tools, and then what are the two like kind of more machine tools that y'all would recommend? Well, if it's like hand tool, um, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd, the drill and the circular saw, if it's um, more like standalone equipment, I would say table saw and thickness planer. I would actually seriously say a, a, a circular saw and a drill because it, I would not recommend anyone who's just starting out to drop a lot of money on a on a table saw or something like that. Figure out what you want in it first, you know. Um, circular saw and a drill, yeah. Um, assuming that those two were off the list, because those are the, 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 the two easy ones. Um, I would say a miter saw and I don't know, miter saw and a jigsaw so you can cut curves or, or like, yeah, I was thinking when you said miter saw, I know that there's a little bit more safety. You have to be a little bit more safety conscious with a radial arm saw. But that can do a ton. Like you can rip down sheet goods on a radial arm saw by tilting the head and 
So if you're looking for high versatility, that's that, that's going to be a tool that's up there as well. Hmm. I'm going to... I, I, I totally agree with the drill and the circular saw. I found the jigsaw very important just for a, something to do tool. So it'd kind of be a toss up, but breaking down a sheet of plywood, a, a circular saw is just necessary if you don't have a table saw. I mean, even now I have a table saw, but I still break break it down into manageable size pieces with the circular saw. Um, for like standalone equipment, I definitely think a table saw, and I would al- almost say miter saw, but... I guess it kind of depends like what Jay was saying. You have to know what you're doing first or where you're going to be going with it because I don't use a lot of hardwoods or a lot of rough sawn lumber. So I've made do for three years now without a thickness planer and I just set it up and now I'm I'm using it more. But I have found the modern saw and the table saw to be way more uh, important in my shop because I use a lot of off-the-shelf lumber and plywood. So it it just all depends on what type of woodworking you're going to be diving into. Well, I might want to change mine then. I'm going to change it to a spindle sander and an automated dovetail making machine. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two most versatile and well used. No. I'm surprised you didn't say a floating mortise and tenon and a domino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I. I what, kind of what Jay said. If you're really just starting out, a drill and a circular saw. Um, but I kind of took the question for if he's asking for more standalone pieces, he's probably has a couple of the hand tools. But. That's what I'm kind of thinking too. Yeah. I guess a good answer I would say, regardless, which we've said this previously, don't buy anything unless you absolutely need it. Yep, because you end you up it. buying things that you think you'll need or something that somebody in a podcast may say that you need and you end up taking a different path and or, not Or they it. use it a lot in their shop, but you wouldn't use it a lot in your shop. Right. Or in le- the only thing that you can really buy before you need it is a spindle sander. So hashtag team spindle sander. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to do a giveaway on my spindle sander. Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> uh, Ryan Collier wants to know, what are the top three general finishes hashtag you should have in your shop? Oh, that is so circumstantial though. Cause that depends on what the project is, where the project's going to live for the rest of its life. I have some type of water-based, uh, tell you what, I always stick with a water-based poly or lacquer. I don't really care which or shellac. And that's pretty much all I use. Yeah, I have water-based poly and shellac are kind of my two go-tos. And then since visiting Nick, I went and bought five cans of spray on lacquer. So thanks, Nick. <laughs> it's very useful. It is. It, it and is. It's, uh, uh, it especially dries with the, so quickly. Yeah, and the, yeah, the heat and low humidity by you, it's probably like three minutes you can put on a exactly. coat. Exactly, you know? yeah. Yeah, so it's, I would I would agree. I, I'm, a, I'm a lacquer person, and then... I would have to say wipe on poly is my next probably go to uh, when I can't be spraying a ton. Uh, so, yeah, I bounce mostly between those. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to add. <laughs> okay, last question here is from Paul. What grit of sandpaper do you keep on hand in the shop when needing to sand? What grit do you typically grab? I've, I keep four on hand, um, 80 and 60 just for uh, ugly roughing, you know, just, just, you know, dimensioning, which you shouldn't be doing with sandpaper anyway, but just really scuffing some stuff up. 
But if it's uh, typically in a normal project where all the machining has been done properly, then I only use like, I think it's like 150 and 220. I think those are it. I don't go higher than 220. I never go higher than 220. My go-to grab is 100 and I keep all of the bits and pieces so that if I want like a lighter 100, I can, I can grab a piece that I've previously used <laughs> and then I keep 150 and then 220. And those are it really. I'm like a 180, like that's my go-to laying around, uh, but I got a bunch of sanding sponges with 180, so I would say 180 is my my go-to grit. Uh, I typically don't go past 180 for most finishes. It, yeah. You've got a pretty handy little sanding arsenal uh, in your shop, I've noticed when we were there. With the san- sanding sponges or... The whole system. You got sanding sponges and all your paper right next to it. Yeah. It's just very yeah. convenient and out there in the open for you, ready to use. Yeah, I like, you know, it's, I'm, ten, I'm I think most people do this, but I, I tend to break the corners with 180. Um, so you're getting done with a project, just a real light, you know, so you don't have any sharp corners. And I don't know. Yeah, it's just 180 is my go-to. And then what's your in-between coats? Uh, 220. Oh, okay. Oh, thought, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 320. 320. Yeah, I was thinking it was a little bit finer because I've been making a note that next time I'm in the uh, the store, I need to pick up some finer grit because I only have 220. And if I sand, like whenever I was doing the salt shakers, it would just kind of rough up the, the finish a little bit too much. So I need to get something a little bit finer, I guess. Yeah. And it just kind of knocks down some of the barnacles in the finish or whatever, you know, floaty things you had in the air. And yeah. It just, it seems to work pretty good. Barnacles? Barnacles. <laughs> yeah, when you got barnacles on your finish, you know, it's like towel dangles. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we've uh, ran through all of our questions really quick. If you guys have anything that you'd like answered on the show, there is a contact form on the website. Just fill that out and it'll go right to our spreadsheet for us to uh, pull from. Uh, but anyway, that's it for this episode. I want to remind you that there's a couple different ways to stay up to date with the podcast. Uh, you can follow us on iTunes, RSS, or on Android, and links to those are on the website, thewoodworkingpodcast.com or thewoodworkingpodcast.com, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's it. Thanks for watching or listening, and you guys take care. Bye, everyone. See you guys later. Got the towel dangles. Yeah, you had to throw that one in there. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Nook Ferry, hanging out with April and Jay. With the April and Jay, is that what you said? Can I say that April? <laughs> <laughs> is it the or the April? Let's go with the. Fancy. <laughs> the, the I, hope, I hope this ends up on the end of the podcast. <laughs> I never do the announcement. I can't. I don't talk as smoothly as you folks or as you boys.